<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, before we start the show, let's talk about our Patreon page. If you're sick and tired of the commercials on the show, I've got a solution for you. For just $15 per month, you can get the ultimate edition of this podcast. Here's what that means. The ultimate edition combines the free version of the show with the post-mortem show we record after the end credits. Plus, we take out all the commercials for you. That means you get the hour-long free show plus the 20-minute post-mortem show where all the real fun happens. And you get all of that without commercials for just $15. $15 per month. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA and covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show presented by bubblegenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, March 3, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. We don't have a new guest for you today. I know, I'm sorry. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make it up to you. We're opening up the Bob Seska Show interview vault and replaying my interview with musician and satirist Nick Lutzko. You might know Nick from his maniacal songs about the Trump boat parades and the song about Dan Bongino. And uh, most recently, Nick's been busy naming Muppets and recording songs about QAnon. NickLutzko.com, also Instagram.com slash NickLutzko. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at Patreon.com slash Show. Okay, here comes an encore interview with Nick Lutzko. It looks like you're keeping busy during the pandemic. I mean, beyond all the music writing and work you do on, on Twitter and so on, Spotify... I mean, I worry about this with all indie musicians that I know. I mean, how are you able to make ends meet given that you can't tour and do all the normal things that you would do as an independent recording artist? Yeah, well, I, I've been really lucky in that. Um, I mean, I do I do perform and I do, you know, release like singles and albums and whatnot, but that mm. isn't where I get my primary income. I do a lot of freelance work for companies like Netflix and College Humor. And um, I've been lucky in that that work hasn't totally dried up during the pandemic, especially wow. for like um, for like Netflix. So I, I do um, Netflix Junior, like kids songs for them. And um, oh, that, that all exists on social. So it's almost like uh, with everyone locked indoors, there's almost more of a need for more content. Oh, that's and outstanding. I'm kind of lucky that I can do all that remote. I don't need to be in a certain city and I don't need to be working with other people. I can kind of just do that in my little lab and push those out fairly quickly. So I've been lucky in that regard. Um, and I'm also lucky that I have a wonderful wife and three cats that uh, <laughs> have kept me that's, that's so cool. Yes, yeah, so and we've all been treated to your uh, wonderful house. That looks like it's got some sort of sauna <laughs> in the basement. Plus there's a... Uh, Looks like some kind of golem living under the stairs. So, yes, yeah, right. <laughs> so it seems like a nice place. Specifically, tell me about your kids' show. Does that involve, I assume, the puppets as well, or is there a satirical edge to it? Tell me about the uh, the Netflix deal. No, ironically, it's strictly just kind of like a day job way to make. You know, it's just it's just the, I, I write this. They'll reach out. They say they want a song about brushing your teeth or um, confidence or gratitude or any of those things, and I'll produce a song and then they'll do animation and they'll release that on their socials. It is funny that I have all these puppets and these puppet like 
people in my band, but that stuff is not, <laughs> there's really no crossover with the kid stuff. Um, right. The way that that kind of came about for my uh, live show is um, I've been uh, uh, pursuing music full time for about a decade. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first two records I did, I didn't have a band. I just played all the instruments and produced everything myself. And when it came time to start thinking about performing live, um, I had these puppets that I had made in college just for fun. And yeah. the first music video that I made, um, I decided to use those hand puppets as my backing band mm -hmm. in the music video. And um, by the time I actually did put together a band, it was just this kind of, it was like, it was a part of the aesthetic of the group. It was like, why don't we try to bring uh this world that we've created for the music videos to life in the live show by having like these puppet like creatures and it's just kind of a way to add a surreal absurd aspect to the music that i think has kind of lived on through some of the co comedy stuff as you've mentioned like the man in the stairs and things like that i'm always yeah. kind of trying to uh get things a little weird and dark whenever i have the opportunity and and you succeed <laughs> a thousand percent you succeed it's so great i mean in fact your live show and the, the stuff that i've seen on youtube reminds me a little of uh the flaming lips their live show i mean it's got awesome, yeah. the puppets the costumes the unpredictability you put on a legitimate show i mean it's a big deal that's actually fun to watch. Uh, it doesn't seem uh, tortured. Again, it, it seems effortless. Like so much of your work, irrespective of whether it's live or the, the comedy material, all of your work seems like it's just breezy for you. I know it's not really that way, but that's how it comes off. What's the ratio for like a live show? What's the ratio of planning versus uh, spontaneity uh, for one of your typical gigs? Oh, man. Well, Firstly, I appreciate all the kind words. That's that's super nice. Um, yeah, it's a great question. So um, we had a really big show in my hometown in Chattanooga um, towards the end of October, I guess almost exactly a year ago, um, for the, the release of my newest record, Swords. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was months of preparation. We had giant puppets built. We had um, this local dance troupe called the Pop-Up Project uh, doing choreography and... Um, we had a like we the sh the shows are very theatrical and we tried to just kind of you know obviously the music is top priority that everything is uh, performed well and is entertaining but we also kind of like want to deliver on the visual aspect and yeah. it's funny you mentioned Flaming Lips that's a great um, example of the kind of show that we strive mm -hmm. to put on but um yeah it, I mean there's definitely so much preparation but then also when you're uh, like there, there's not much of a budget going into putting, like it's all homemade and thrown together and it's not like we can afford to pay. Uh, like the, that, that show we did for Halloween, we had like um, the UTC marching brass come up and that was like 20 <laughs> so awesome. horn players come up and then we have the 15 dancers come up and then we had like, so it's like we're asking everyone to kind of donate their time. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely like a lot of components that are very kind of like, thrown together on the spot and a yeah. lot of improvisational performance. Yeah. Um, God, that's, which is great. Yeah. It's, it's fun to have that kind of um, mixture of the extremely rehearsed with the impromptu. Yeah. Th there's something that's extra appealing about doing kind of a high concept, fun, weird show and having it come off as seeming as if you just put it together in the parking lot outside, you know, yeah, and yeah. how did you end up going back to the puppets? I mean, how did you end up landing on puppets as kind of being part of your thing? Yeah. So I had the puppets. I mean, this is so it's, it's just funny how like inconsequential it was at the time, but, um, <laughs> I was in college. Yeah. I was like a sophomore, sophomore in college. And, um, uh, the, it, it was 2011, the Muppets, the like kind of Muppets reboot had just come out. Oh yeah. With Jason Siegel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with Jason Siegel, and I um, loved it, and I think it was almost just kind of, it, it reminded me how much I loved the Muppets as a kid, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, me, it's just it's just so funny to think of what your average college student is doing with their time, it's, me, me and my yeah. roommates uh, went to Hobby Lobby and bought a bunch of puppet supplies and stayed up and made puppets and shot dumb comedy videos with them, and they're just these things that I had. Mm -hmm. So like when it came time to shoot that first music video and I didn't have a band, it was like, okay, I can grab this puppet and put him on guitar and then this puppet can play the drums. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, it, yeah, it was, and also, um, that first record that I did, some, someone reviewing it wrote that it sounded like, uh, uh, 
Pee Wee Herman hosting the Beatles at his playhouse or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. I loved, I love that imagery, and I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to lean into that aspect mm-hmm. of just like um, what a, a rock band would feel like in that world of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! And it just takes so much effort though to put together a puppet, and I, I only know this because I, I recently did an Alex Jones puppet show for <laughs> uh, Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Tour, but I actually ended up modding just a, a religious puppet I bought on Amazon that happened to look <laughs> yeah. like. I mean, it's just all kinds of sacrilege going on there. I'm buying like a a Joseph, the Father of Christ. I'm buying that puppet. <laughs> And then modding it to look like Alex Jones, but you build your puppets from scratch, which is a hell of a project. I mean, what's the what's the process? I mean, do you do sketches? Do you plan out where you want to go, or do you just buy a bunch of materials and start uh, hot glue gunning them together? Yeah, definitely the latter. I've always kind of referred to it as like punk punk rock puppetry because I don't know what I'm doing. I cannot <laughs> perform great. my instrument well. I yeah, just, yeah. Get out the hot glue gun, and I just get to work until something slightly resemble something and they fall apart so easily and to be totally honest in in the earliest days yeah i was making them all myself but i've kind of got to the point now where i actually like hire i i can i kind of help brainstorm like the the concept and the design and then i hire professionals to actually execute and that's why they've the the caliber of a lot of the work has advanced and also my bass player who goes by greasy rick um it's mm-hmm. really funny to kind of look at what that early prototype for what his costume was versus what it is now because he's just he's a really brilliant artist and has taken it and just made it so much better than what i had done originally yeah that's one of my favorite costumes in the band nice. is, is your bass player's yeah. costume there's something about it that perfectly fits the look of you know what a bass player would look like as a puppet well, how would you describe that like human-sized puppets or puppet costumes <laughs> i don't or... even know yeah <laughs> I, yeah i guess like i kind of go back and forth between because it started as is puppetry, but now when they're in the costumes, they're not technically puppets anymore. So it's just like a creature costumes. I don't even know what to call it, but <laughs> but he yeah he especially just has this talent to um, he brings that character to life. Like he looks he doesn't look like a guy in a costume. He looks like a creature, and that's just mm-hmm. a testament of how he kind of embodies that character. It's just really brilliant it's almost inconceivable to imagine that there's a a gigantic audience for this in chattanooga tennessee i mean is it tell us about living in chattanooga and uh, playing this music live there's seems like there's just as big an audience for this kind of uh sort of i don't even know how to exactly describe the genre i mean your music defies genre um but there's clearly an appetite for it in chattanooga right yeah um i mean I, i think uh the way that we kind of try to um, uh, keep people's attention is mm-hmm. we we try to just do one big show a year or maybe a couple. Yeah. Um, maybe one smaller show earlier in the year and then one really big one. And a, a big part of that is it's not sustainable for the the size of the production. It's, we couldn't play every week. But mm-hmm. Well, we we try to space out the shows that way. People are always, you know, it's it feels like it's not. Oh, we could catch them any weekend. It's like it's a, it, you 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 can't miss it. Like it's this doesn't happen that often. And yeah. um, we always try to do a, a, something a little different and something a little more extravagant, which really gets hard to, mm. to continue over time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's I mean, uh, it's it's kind of sad in that like the the show we did for the album release in Chattanooga was kind of like the prototype for what we wanted to kind of take on the road, and we mm-hmm. we booked the biggest venue in Chattanooga. I mean, I'm sure there's bigger venues, but the it's uh, it's it's a venue called the Signal, and it's like the it's pro- probably like a 1500 capacity, and um, uh, yeah, we just tried to go as big as we possibly could, and we got all the the video shot of it and the goal was to kind of like package that up and try to take that on the road this year and then the pandemic hit early this year and Mm -hmm. kind of foiled those plans which um kind of forced the pivot of the the twitter stuff i've been doing is the uh, limited number of shows is that a consequence of the elaborate nature of the shows or is that just kind of uh how you'd prefer to do it like it's just this would be something that's special not something that's just churned out one weekend after another yeah, it's 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 kind of a combination of both, and it's also uh, yeah, it's 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 strategical in that um, yeah we don't want to burn out the audience, and it's also it's like it's something that once if it gets to a point where we are playing regularly on the road, um, I don't know. I mean, I definitely I I I 
been at a place in my past where it was like you're playing uh, every week, and that's how a lot of the ways I was um, making a living. But I think I also got lucky in that I was finding other ways um, to make a living through like freelance production and songwriting and whatever else that I didn't need to play Mm -hmm. every week. Yeah. Going back to genre here, the music that you perform live, the music on your albums, um, it, you know, it also has this almost maniacal offbeat style that, as I said before, it doesn't land in any particular genre. How would you describe uh, the music that you write and record? I mean, outside of the comedy stuff. Yeah, man, it's it's another uh, tricky question. I just feel like since the beginning <laughs> of time, I've always had this issue with... Um, identifying what it is I do exactly in this comedy stuff has just made it even more confusing. <laughs> but um, I, I think my, my go-to is um, alternative music. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a little tricky because I feel like when that phrase came on the scene, it was given to bands like uh, Nirvana and Primus and the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm-hmm. who were an alternative to what you were hearing on the radio, which was a lot of like Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses. Um, but then somewhere in the 90s, alternative just kind of became adopted as, um, you know, your stereotypical 90s rock. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of where I have some trouble there. Where I, th- I think uh, the original meaning of the term is pretty true to what we're doing in that, like, it's an alternative to whatever you're hearing on the radio or the mainstream. Um, but I do think that the the um, preconceived idea of what alternative music is does kind of go towards that 90s, like Matchbox 20 Goo Goo Dolls sound or whatever. Um, But I mean, just to get... Psychedelic rock is another one we've thrown around. Indie rock. Uh, You know, there's all these kind of vague, but there's... I've never really landed on anything. I'm like, yep, that's it. That's that's what this is. How did you land on the uh, xylophone as a lead instrument? Nice. Yeah, that's actually kind of an interesting uh, journey there. Um... So when it when it finally came time to kind of assemble my band, um, uh, my, the the first iteration of the band was uh, myself on guitar, a bass player, a drummer, and a percussionist. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of a weird. It, I wasn't writing a lot of music that needed percussion. Yeah. But he was the the guy that kind of filled that role initially was just someone who was available and interested in playing, and it was like, just kind of see what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it really added a lot, and you know, like it, there was like some conga stuff and um, just other like auxiliary percussion, tambourines and stuff. And it it was nice, but I really was wishing there was more of like a melodic element there. Yeah. And when I learned that he had also played xylophone in school. I was like, oh, we got to get the, the xylophone in here. <laughs> and uh, th- that person in particular um, wasn't in the band for uh, that long, mainly because he wasn't that interested in playing xylophone. That wasn't like his primary instrument. But I did realize how much um, I liked having that. And like, I, I just, there's just not many rock bands that uh, have a featured xylophonist. Yeah. And um, around that time, I have a, I have a younger brother. Um, he was just graduating high school, and he was taking percussion in in school, and was he'd played piano his whole life, and he'd you know done xylophone as the percussion focus that he did in school. Mm-hmm. And um, my little brother ended up joining the band. At first, it was him just coming up and playing songs on xylophone that uh, the the few songs that I had started writing with xylophone mm-hmm. uh, as a focal point. But over time, it, it we kind of gave him a. A larger and larger role and now he's you know one of the featured members of the group and it's one of my favorite parts of the band well one of the things i wanted to do when i reached out to you is see if i could uh, twist your arm into performing a couple of songs live here on the show um do you want to start with something from one of your albums uh, and perform that for us here or do you maybe we could uh we could i mean we could save the uh because <laughs> i gotta hear either bongino or boat parade later in the show yeah. but in the okay, meantime cool. maybe we start with one of your uh, songs from one of the albums or maybe something you're working on it's completely up to you yeah yeah cool man um I'll play you the song sometimes. This okay. song is uh, seemed to do really well on uh, on Spotify. Oh yeah, yeah. This um, is uh, number one right now on Spotify on your on, on your page. Yeah, number one on the charts. Yep, number one on iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. 
Swinging for the fences, hanging from the moon. I cut my tongue on the rust of a silver spoon. I bet my belly bottom dollar on a hopeless case. And now the devil on my shoulder has a knife in my face. Sometimes the Jordan of the stick is the sharpest. Sometimes the only road it takes is the darkest. And sometimes all you gotta say is that it make it go away. Sometimes the only way out is as a carcass. Sometimes the only road to take is the darkest And sometimes all you gotta say is that it make it go away Sometimes the only way out is as a carcass Sometimes the short and the stick is the sharpest that song that is the title track sometimes from your album of the same name from 2019 that's also available on all the different digital music platforms right yep and i do have uh physical copies for sale on bandcamp nicklesco.bandcamp.com when did you first start uh recording music and, and writing music professionally um it wasn't too long ago was it yeah um well okay i went to mtsu for commercial songwriting i graduated mm -hmm. there in 2012 and um I spent the next few years kind of just traveling around and playing acoustic shows and mainly playing for tips and kind of saving up that money to get some recording equipment to record um, an album. Mm -hmm. And uh, I put out two albums, uh, one in 2013, another in 2015. And I guess it was 2016, late 2016, when I... When I uh, got my first job writing for super deluxe i did um it was uh emo trump tweets it was oh like, yeah um, yeah yeah it, it, it's actually not to just give this really long story but um <laughs> i was uh, a big fan of vic Berger at super deluxe mm -hmm. and um him and tim heidecker were doing an election special for the rnc and the dnc yeah and um i was kind of following their coverage and i recorded like this 15 second little jingle that that I unsolicited tweeted at them and said, hey, don't know if you guys need a theme song, but here it is. Wow. And uh, they both loved it, and um, they ended up actually making it the official theme song for that those election specials. And um, from there, I kind of, Super Deluxe was producing it, so I kind of 
um, had some correspondence with them to make sure that they had the permission to use it and whatever else. And I just was like, Hey, I'm trying to do this for a living. <laughs> not, not super successful. You know, I've, I've yeah. been, you know, it's not that I wasn't making money. It's just every cent that I made was going back into investing into turning it into something that was sustainable. And, um, the, the uh, my producer at super deluxe, uh, we kind of had an ongoing conversation for a few months and then, he finally pitched me on the idea. He was like, yeah, uh, Trump's tweets have been especially emo today. I don't know if you can, send, <laughs> you can make a song out of his tweets from the last yeah. however many hours it had been. And I felt like I had so much to prove that I like, didn't go to sleep that night. I just like I, I recorded it. I probably sent them a finished product within like eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And um, they posted it and did really well, and that was just kind of the beginning. It, uh, Superlux shut down in, I think, October of 2018. That was the beginning of a two-year... Um, uh, partnership where I was uh, doing, I think by then I was doing two songs a month for them. And uh, the, the most successful thing I did for them was uh, Alex Jones is an indie folk song. Oh yes, that's um, right. I've seen that one too. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And that, so that, that was um, a really cool experience, but it was, it was this weird thing where it was, it was really my, my day job. It wasn't what I was, you know, I was, I was still pushing the album work and I was doing this comedy work, but I didn't really, feel like a comedian because I this thing this weird job had just kind of fallen into my lap and um, I kind of felt like I hadn't earned it because it wasn't something that I had been pursuing yeah I was just gonna ask you about that I mean how did you end up uh, landing on comedy was that an aspiration of yours at any point I mean you were saying you were doing like puppet show videos in your college dorm and stuff like that but did you have uh, some sort of ambition to eventually do song parodies and comedy like that yeah, I've always loved it, and I've always been such a fan. But I, and like, I mean, in in school, I kind of was like naturally, you know, like I've, I, I I'm not gonna say I don't think that I'm not a funny person, but I've never, I never had the confidence to. I, it's, I think it's mainly because music has always been such, so obviously my number one, yeah, thing that it was like it was always this kind of thing that was like, you know, I think maybe I could be good at it, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, it's, it almost felt unearned or something. Like I, it's it, kind of a weird thing to. It, it, this I kind of touched on it earlier, but that the, the Chrissy Teigen song I think was, um, I, this is so stupid, but I kind of, <laughs> I've considered it my like, coming out as a comedian mm-hmm. moment. Right, it's like right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually like commit to this and quit kind of dancing around like you know, these confidence issues I have with like. Uh, putting something out like under my name that isn't a job for someone else. Well, that's what's so crazy, Nick, is because you come off as eminently confident. I think that's one of the reasons why your comedy lands so well, as well as your album-oriented music. There's a swagger about it. There's something that where you own what you're doing. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been working in cartoons, and in fact, you and I both did work for College Humor. I don't know if it was at the same time, but I was doing cartoons for them. It's almost impossible to find that magic formula of what goes viral and what doesn't. And But I found that maybe part of it is just owning what you're doing. You can always tell if someone's hesitating a little bit when they're putting out something out into the world that's supposed to be funny, it seems like you just don't give a shit <laughs> whether it's well-received or not. And maybe that's why it goes viral. That's maybe why it's so successful. Have you been able to put your finger on exactly what it is about the more uh, comedic-oriented songs that you do that uh, seem to make them go crazy like that online? I, I really have no idea. And I think what you just touched on probably is pretty valid. Um, if I had to chalk it up to anything, I've kind of felt that Musical comedy, in a lot of ways, I feel like typically um, the music only needs to be good enough to get the joke across. Yeah. And I feel like a, a lot of times you have people who are comedians first and foremost and musicians second. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's not the case all the time, but that's just something that I feel like, you yeah. know, in like sketch comedy shows, that's usually the case. And I feel like I come from the reverse where music, you know, songwriting, production, performing, that is my world. And um, I think I treat the the writing and the production 
of the music just as seriously as I would my album work. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that kind of takes people off guard. It's like, wow, why does this song, this about gremlins, like, <laughs> which is also a good way. one? Like, yeah, yeah. Who who put who who would think to put this much work into <laughs> something so dumb? And I think that's kind of yeah another part of it. It's like it's like okay, there's obviously some talent here, but the the narrator of this song is just so unhinged and uh like clueless that it yeah. the two things the dichotomy the two things i think people really enjoy okay we'll get back to our conversation here with nick Lutzko. but first if something is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals consider our sponsor called better help that's h-e-l-p better help seeks to provide professional help with ease it's not a crisis line this is professional counseling done securely online better help will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist Start Start communicating in under 48 hours, connecting in a safe, private online environment. Send a message to your counselor and receive a timely response. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever works for you. Anything you share is confidential. And if you want to try a new therapist, it's simple and free to switch. BetterHelp says they're more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Start living a happier life today. You'll get 10% off your first months by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash sexy liberal and receive 10% off your first month. BetterHelp.com slash sexy liberal. Also, we are so grateful that vaccinations for COVID-19 are underway. While we're nearing the finish line for this brutal pandemic, getting there means staying safe, making the right choices. And for the foreseeable future, only respirator face masks provide real protection from transmission. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirators means we are flooded with fakes and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Well, right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized N95 respirator masks with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're tested in the United States by the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free. Go to thenewdealshop.com right now and get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized N95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com thenewdealshop.com. Go now. The Bob Seska Show. So I, I want to get into this now because I've been playing the Dan Bongino song and w completely without your permission. <laughs> I've been playing the Dan <laughs> no, Bongino song and the Boat Parade song, giving you full credit, of course, obviously, uh, on my podcast over and over again. Everyone loves this. My girlfriend, Kimberly Johnson, also does a podcast. She thinks Boat Parade is the funniest goddamn thing she has ever, ever seen in her entire life. And it's the yelling at the end. It's the screaming. I've, I've been referring to, especially these two videos, as being aggressive mockery. I don't know if that's at all accurate. I don't know if that was your intention to aggressively mock uh, people like Dan Bongino or these boat parades. But let's start with Bongino. I mean, how did that idea form in your head? And is aggressive mockery at all in the ballpark of what you're trying to do? Yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head, and it, at least in some kind of subconscious mm -hmm. way. I think, um, so So as I kind of touched on, these, these songs I've been doing, it's basically like my typical work week. It's like, okay, say this week I'm working on a college humor uh, video, mm -hmm. and next week I have a Netflix video, and if I have one day in between like a Friday open. It's like, that's the day I'm going to sit down and write and record and shoot a video and upload it. I want to do it all in that one day yeah. free that I have. And that's exactly what happened with the RNC. It's just, I woke up that morning. I didn't have a job uh, due immediately. And mm -hmm. um, I just got online and I saw like the, the RNC was starting that week and it was like, okay, I guess I'm writing a song about the RNC. <laughs> And um, see, that's what I mean. That's like the effortless place that it comes from. It's not like you're necessarily slaving over this, like, hmm, and, and you've got, uh, you know, you got a whiteboard up there and you're kind of right. charting out how to go with this, creating an outline. It seems like it was just like, oh, RNC, let's do that. Yeah. And I mean, that that is the true difference between this comedy stuff and my album work, because the album stuff is like truly mm -hmm. um like I do slave over it for probably yeah. and like I think I've learned that like it's not necessarily to the song's benefit like because I've realized how strongly people react to these things that I throw together in a 
sometimes hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I started I started writing the the RNC song specifically, and I those first few lines were just so I want to be at the RNC, <laughs> and it's like I'm looking at the list of people who are gonna be like, okay, McCloskey, we just learned <laughs> about them two minutes ago, but I'll throw that right, in there. Yeah. And then it got to the I want to sit with, and it was like, okay, who am I gonna put in this song? And it was like I don't know how I landed on Dan Bongino. <laughs> But it's just like his name is just so fun to sing that it was just yeah. like as soon as I came up with it, it was like there's not really a real point here, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. Oh, and he's perfect to include. That was you landed <laughs> on exactly the right person because he's very easy to rankle. By the way, has, has he right, blo- yeah. has he has he blocked you yet? <laughs> he hasn't. That's actually wow. it's a little disappointing. He hasn't so much as even acknowledged it. Although <laughs> there has definitely been some sketchiness. Um, the the tweet was flagged as sensitive material, like oh at its God. peak viral moment. I felt like, as it was just kind of really picking up steam, it, it, it like got blocked. And if you're already following me and you're already engaged, you can't see it. But if you were to go on my page through a new Twitter account, it kind of like ha- it's like blurred out, and it's like you have to click to approve the sensitive material. And there's nothing inappropriate about that no. song, that video. Um, I'm convinced that there was like some kind of right wing troll farm that like mass flagged it or something. Yeah, to make that happen, and that's <laughs> the closest it. I've gotten to any kind of recognition from him or his people. I well, presume. I love how you're not trying to make some sort of sophisticated argument against all this crap. You're almost hitting like Dan Bongino and Trump's like raging id with your own raging id. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Am I reading too much into it? <laughs> no, I think that's that's my favorite part about that song in particular. Is like it's so obviously like topical. Like it yeah. was the like I wake up writing a song about the RNC, but then when you listen to it, it's like not it's not about the RNC and it's not at the same time. Like it's about this crazy guy who idolizes Dan Bongino and the RNC, but he doesn't really even understand it or get why. Like he doesn't, he, he respects the flag so much, but he doesn't even recognize how you're supposed to like recognize the flag or what it stands for. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he has this man under his, like nothing makes sense about it. (laughs) But I think you kind of, yeah, you you nailed it in that like there's something about this guy's blind uh angry enthusiasm that is just in sync with mm-hmm. Trump supporters. Like and um yeah, it works in like a very abstract way, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, do you ever hear from uh, Trump supporters who mistake the videos for being pro Bongino? I mean, it seems like right at the beginning. I think one, that's one of the reasons it works so well is right at the beginning you're not quite sure whether you're actually for real or not. And that's kind of the best satire when you're yeah. initially unaware that it's satire and then, oh, and then it starts to evolve and there's the man in the stairs. That's when you realize, oh, shit, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> man, I think slightly unrelated to your question, but one thing that was so perfect and the reason that thing did so well is – I released it. I wasn't even aware it was happening, but I released it at the same time that Donald Trump Jr. was giving his speech. <laughs> and like, if you play the script, like his face was red and sweaty. Like it, it was like it was the same energy. And that was the meat. It was like, oh my god, how did this just? It's like this guy just saw into the future and saw Donald Trump's speech and like simultaneously released this song. Like it was this weird, like supernatural coincidence that happened there that was pretty amazing. But um. <laughs> I, I've I've run into that a lot, where especially the Alex Jones song that I did for Superlux was mm-hmm. the worst example of his fans just totally co-opted that song, and he he himself played it on his show, and he had a freaking competition of he put, he had like a twenty thousand dollar competition to see who could do the best cover of it, oh and like God. it's blatantly mocking him, but somehow his fans <laughs> just love it. That's great. That is perfect. That is a huge victory for you. That yeah. You were able to infiltrate in a way that they had no idea. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe Alex Jones knows or maybe one of his producers know. I mean, I've had interactions with those people and you can always kind of hear a little bit of a snicker behind the scenes. Like, yeah. I don't know if we take all of this seriously, what he's saying out there on stage. <laughs> this doesn't well, make he, any sense. He, he tried to go on his show and say something insane like, I have intel. Uh, we know. Uh, we have intel that we have fans at Super Deluxe, and they 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 sold this to the higher ups at Super Deluxe under the guise of mocking uh, me. But really, they're fans of mine, 
and they know that this song is going to red pill millions of Americans. <laughs> and like he has this whole story of how this song was some elaborate attempt to, uh, in his terms, red pill. Oh, that's so uh, great. So you're straight. actually now part of the globalist conspiracy, Nick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> On his side, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So I got to ask you, you mentioned the sweating. Is the profuse sweating real? Is that intentional or is that just part of the anger of the character you're playing? It's definitely uh, not real. I don't know if I'm quite ready to um, reveal all my secrets okay, in that, in that okay. realm. I feel like there's probably going to be a great reveal at some point. But I definitely have a method to get myself to where I am yeah. in these videos. Yeah, I don't naturally just... Uh, um, <laughs> just break down. out in profuse... like have yeah, a visit. Yeah. You don't have a visible layer of slime on you at all times. Right, though. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing that is so great, it's about the end of the Bongino video, but especially the end of the Boat Parade video. At the end of those videos, you look like I feel most days following <laughs> this. I mean, I got to cover this shit up close. I'm just my face yeah, pressed right. against computer screen 24-7 and just ingesting the madness, just sticking my face in the plasma that's zipping through my living room every day. Uh, and so I feel like that. I feel like that character. When your mouth starts bleeding because you're screaming boat parade so loudly, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have so been there. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people can say that, but yeah, I have been there. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Was boat parade another one of those like one day projects, or did it take uh, an extended period of time to put all that together? Because you did a lot of exterior work in there too. Huh? Yeah, I, I think um, all of these songs that I've just started writing for Twitter over the last few months, they probably have a little bit of an improvisational quality, just because like part of um, the limitations that I put upon myself is it's kind of like I'm. Wanting to learn to trust my instincts more and just kind of go with the first idea and just like do it. Mm -hmm. I, I got touched on this earlier, but like I've really, like a lot of songs on that record, Swords, were probably three years of just toiling and wow. a lot of stuff that probably didn't need to. And just learning to trust, like my first, like it, it's kind of funny because with the RNC song, it's like this melody, it just started with the melody. My, I wanna be da da da. And my first instinct was like, this is too simple. It's so silly. People are like, I had no idea. I really, truly did not believe that anyone would. I, I was like, this is going to be my first dud since I started doing that stuff. And, and, and every time I kind of like really commit and just go with those first guttural instincts, I keep, you know, people react to it well. So I'm just like telling myself, you know, uh, lean into it. Yeah, yeah. Um but but yeah I, I so w w to answer your question uh, I I do a lot of these songs um some of them I've done like in the course of like an 8 hour day uh, the boat parade one I think I did start on like late one evening <laughs> and I basically got the song mapped out and then I went and shot all of the exterior stuff like the next morning and then I had the song posted by like um the next afternoon. So they, they yeah. all usually kind of exist within this 24 hour period of writing to recording to shooting the video to posting. So I, I'd love to hear a live version of one of these two songs, but I don't want to specifically ask for boat parade because you probably have work to do for the rest of the day that you might need your voice <laughs> yeah. for. And I imagine doing that last section of boat parade, I don't know if you were able to actually speak for like 24 hours right, after yeah. you were done recording that, but uh, take your pick. If you want to do one of these songs, uh, it's your choice as to which one. To me, they're just equally hilarious, so I, I'm nice, yeah. I'm all for either one of them. Well, I'm going to do RNC. Okay, great. Um, I didn't prepare Boat Parade. <laughs> um, and you're right, it probably would murder my voice anyways. Yeah. But, um, okay, here we go. You got the exclusive here, man. This is the first time I've ever performed this song in any real oh, man. capacity. A lot of times so I write, great. I record, and then it's done. It's, oh, you know, beautiful. There's no reason. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm playing the clubs these days. <laughs> okay. I want to be at the RMC. I want to see Patricia McCloskey. I want to scream for the GOP. I want to sit with Dan Bongino. I want to show the American flag. Hangs behind the toilet in grandma's basement I wanna ask if it'll be my dad I wanna change my name to Nick Bongino I 
wanna tell him about the man in the stairs. He kinda looks like Dan Bongino. Grandma tries to tell me not to go down there. But I would be saying, with Dan Bongino, I wanna be at the water and sea. I wanna be like Dan Bongino. I wanna be at the water and sea. I wanna be like Dan Bongino. Oh, that is uh, just so great. And, you know, again, for me, I've had many run-ins with Dan Bongino on Twitter. One of the things he loves to do is he loves to troll you, then block you, and then continue to attack you after you've been blocked. And (laughs) so just anything that... Uh, kind of sticks it to him. I'm all in favor of, and this is just re- really great. I mean, do you ever listen to one of these songs and scare yourself? I mean, do you ever go, holy shit, what is going on in my brain right now, and do I need to get outside more? Yeah, yeah, every day. <laughs> I got to ask you, too. Did Spirit Halloween really deposit money in your Venmo? Yeah, they did. They really did. Oh, my God. Can I ask how much they put in your Venmo? Was it uh, $1,000 for 100 retweets? So it was not the specific amount that I requested, and I, I usually would be happy to share the amount with you, but I did. I just had the Spirit, or sorry, I had the New York Times reach out about that song. Oh, my they God. They also asked for the specific amount, and I reached out to Spirit just to make sure they were cool with it, and they specifically requested that I do not reveal the amount <laughs> that I was paid. So okay, fair enough, keep, fair enough. To keep the gods at Spirit Halloween happy. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you actually did a service for them, and uh, until yeah. I, because until I watched your video, I thought it was called Halloween Spirit. I had no idea that it was oh, okay. actually Spirit Halloween, because Spirit yeah. Halloween is kind of like saying Christmas Mary or birthday. Right. Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just right. seems yeah. it seems backwards. Uh, well, if you, if you guys promise to keep it secret, <laughs> as I know the internet often does, uh, I will give the exclusive to your listeners that the Spirit Halloween saga is not completed. Oh and man, there is more to come. So stay tuned. Yeah, see, that was another one too, where it took this turn toward the end that was so perfect. Where it goes from being just this thing about Spirit Halloween and the fact that they've got ghouls and skeletons into just a straight-on attack against Jeff Bezos, which is just Jeff Bezos killed all of these retail uh, stores and now uh, opened them up for Spirit Halloween. It's it's a perfect statement. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you too, are your parents still around and do they follow your career or do they maintain a safe yeah. distance from, <laughs> from yeah, Twitter no, or what? I live in the same hometown of my parents Oh, great! and, um, yeah, they're great. They've been, they've been really supportive. Um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, it's actually very funny because my mom, every new video, um, I don't know if you've seen the one about baby blood. That one is probably... Uh, oh yes, yes. That she got. Yeah, mm. she was. Uh, she was not into that. And she was <laughs> like, what? And uh, especially when I started doing the real sweaty, she was like, "What are you doing? You're alienating all of your fans and blah blah blah." But she sees them do well, and she's kind of gotten to the point. She's like, "I'm done." She's like, "You kind of seem like you know what you're doing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop critiquing these." <laughs> and now it's been a while since she's. Uh, she's always been so supportive of everything I do, and she's awesome. Even even if at first she's somewhat. Uh, um, doesn't get it yeah right yeah i know coming from cartoons i know exactly how that is i think my first big viral cartoon had the word cocksucker in it so i was just like hey hey mom (laughs) look at this cartoon it's it's going crazy on the internet and no no why did you why did you do this to me bob (laughs) yeah right so uh what's next for you what are you working on at the moment what's going on what uh you mentioned you've got Maybe some more uh, with Spirit Halloween, but anything else going on? Yeah, that's the that's the big thing. Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm staying busy. I got a couple jobs. I'm juggling with um, Netflix and Netflix Junior yep. right now. Um, got a couple freelance things I'm doing with College Humor. Um, I think that's I think that's all I can talk about right now. <laughs> okay, um, gotcha. But I, I really, man, it's I've I've enjoyed making these songs so much that I really just am working towards those off days where I can dedicate just to making these weird songs and just like, yeah, really exercising these weird demons that like, you know, just sitting down and like, I don't know how gremlins ended up being the topic of my life, you know, but like, it's like you sit down and it's the first thing to come to mind. It's like, all right, this is what we're doing today. And 
Well, I swear to God, it is so cathartic. As I said before, I absorb this stuff osmotically throughout all day, all day, every day. I'm on Twitter, yeah. uh, on the uh, political blogosphere, and there's lots right. of bullshit comedy out there that just doesn't work. It just doesn't land. But every single thing that you have done has made me laugh out loud repeatedly. Uh, you know, And I know, speaking for my listeners, everyone's walking around singing Boat Parade. That's the thing that I... I, I hear That's most awesome. often. There's like, oh, Bob, right. I can't stop singing Boat Parade, and thank you for it. Thank you, thank That's you for great. playing Nick's music. So right. please keep up the amazing work, uh, Nick. You're it's invaluable. It's absolutely cathartic to have this around, uh, especially right now, uh, with all the stress and and uh, just this ongoing low frequency mayhem that we're all kind of <laughs> absorbing. Uh, the website is uh, nicklutzko.com. The latest album is called Swords, available on Spotify and everywhere you get your digital music. Uh, links in the description, by the way. And the Twitter account is at Nick Lutzko. That's L-U-T-S-K-O. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for performing these live songs for us. And uh, I can't wait for the next song to drop. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bob. This has been awesome. Okay, thanks, my friend. Take care. All right, you too. Bye-bye. For directions to the boat parade Gonna get a sunburn standing out here all day Trying to get a ticket to the boat parade I appreciate the voters for drop Boat parade, boat parade Gonna meet a lady at the boat parade Forgot my shoes at home and now my feet are turning gray Missing grandma's birthday for the boat parade Boat parade, boat parade, boat parade, boat parade Boat parade, boat parade, boat parade, boat parade and I just wish I had time, I'd get on one of those boats and I'd be carrying a flag also. It looks like you're having a good time and the whole world is watching. Boat parade, 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 boat parade.